The prophecy has been foretold. I'm going to tell you exactly who the Falcons are going to take with all seven of their 2023 NFL draft picks. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and of course, the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on the journey of self-discovery wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. And we thank everyone that makes this illustrious podcast their first listen. Please make sure you subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode, we will do a complete seven-round mock draft for the Falcons. These are my actual projections on which players I think they will take in this draft. We'll see how accurate this is come Thursday night. Uh, we will not spend much time talking about Casey Hayward's release in part due to uh, we've touched upon it before. We probably will go deeper into it on tomorrow's episode, uh, but we've talked about how Casey Hayward was uh, potentially a cut, you know, at the outset of free agency, potentially a cut after the draft. I think Jeff Akuda gives them an option at that outside corner opposite AJ Terrell. That's the idea behind that trade. I think they will potentially add another option in the draft at the cornerback position, but a lot of it will depend on how, how the board is going to fall. And while I do think cornerback is still an option for the Falcons in round one, I don't think it's likely that we will see the team pull the trigger. And that is owed to what I expect uh, from the first seven picks in this year's draft. And I think we'll see three quarterbacks go in the top seven this year before the Falcons are on the clock. Uh, Bryce Young will be one of those quarterbacks. Who the other two are, I don't know. My guess is C.J. Stroud of Ohio State will be one of those other two quarterbacks, but really don't know. And who and where they're going outside of Bryce Young to Carolina is anybody's guess. Uh, the Raiders, the Seahawks, the Colts, the Texans, who knows is going to be picking those guys. But, you know, I think with three quarterbacks off the board, the other four non-quarterbacks that will go off the board in the top seven, as we, you know, talk about who's going to be available for the Falcons at eight, I expect that to be Will Anderson out of Alabama, probably either Houston, Arizona, or Seattle will take him. Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech, either Houston or Seattle will take him. Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback from Illinois, feels like everybody's thinking that Detroit is going to pick him at that six overall spot. And then Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon corner, seems like he'll wind up either with the Cardinals or with the Raiders in some form or fashion. And for that reason, that's why I don't think cornerback is likely to be the Falcons pick, even though I think the Falcons will be interested in both Witherspoon and Gonzalez with the release of Casey Hayward. But with both those guys off the board, I think the Falcons will wait till their cornerback later in the draft. So this scenario that I see playing out for the upcoming draft, um, it does mean Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle will be on the board for the Falcons at eight, but I do not expect the Falcons to take Jalen Carter with that selection. That's just a gut feeling I have. Um, I just think they will pass on, uh, you know, arguably the best player in this draft class. Um, and that will leave the Falcons, um, you know, sitting there 
mulling over two players for this eighth overall selection. That is Northwestern offensive lineman Peter Skaronsky. That is Georgia pass rusher Nolan Smith. Now, logically to me, Skaronsky makes the most sense based off of what I've told on this podcast previously. The Falcons tend to go chalk with their draft picks, meaning that they don't stray too far from consensus. And the consensus is pretty much universally Peter Skaronsky is considered one of the eight to ten best prospects in this draft class. That is not the case for Nolan Smith, although some people do rate him that highly. That is not the consensus. The consensus is that he's probably somewhere in the 15 to 25 range. But I think in Skaronsky, given you have a hole at left guard where I think he's a plug-and-play starter at that left guard position, uh, upgrade over Matt Hennessy, a long-term solution. Um, but we know the Falcons have already used some draft capital at that left guard position with Jalen Mayfield, their third round pick in 2021 with Justin Shaver, their sixth round pick in 2022. Will they continue to spend draft capital on that position? Who knows? I hope they do. Uh, in this scenario, if again, if we're not getting Jalen Carter, who would be my choice, if I was running the Falcons, uh, war room, um, you know, to me, Skaronsky is a layup of a pick for the Falcons at that spot. And you get a plug and play starter for the next decade on your offensive line where you need it. But, I don't think the Falcons are going to go in that direction. And I think they'll wind up taking Nolan Smith. And it's funny because like, you know, if they take Peter Skaronsky, that basically means that they're relegating Jalen Mayfield, their third round pick from 2021 to probably a career as a backup. Um, and if they take Nolan Smith, that probably means that they're relegating D'Angelo Malone, their third round pick from last year for his career as a backup, because Nolan Smith is going to play that same linebacker role that Lorenzo Carter and D'Angelo Malone seemingly are penciled in for. And I've said before on the podcast, it doesn't make a lot of sense logically, in my opinion, for the Falcons to take a third Sam linebacker. That's not going to bring anything additional to the table that you don't have between Malone, Carter, Caden Ellis, you know, Arnold Ebiketti, Bud Dupree, you already have that skill set on your roster. Um, and so to me, I don't know if Smith adds a whole lot to this team, but Falcons going to Falcon. And, uh, you know, I've done a lot of soul searching over the last five to six days over the idea of the Falcons taking Nolan Smith. I was incredulous, you know, five, six days ago. And over the last three or four days, been trying to wrap my head around it. And I, I think you're getting a good, good player that has pass rushing upside. But I don't know if that's a player that I would consider to be a cornerstone of your roster, which is typically what you want to get with a top 10 selection. And, you know, that's what I see Skaronsky being. That's what I see Jalen Carter being. I don't know if Nolan Smith is going to be that player, but he, of course, has the makeup that Terry Fontenot is constantly talking about when he's talking about how they evaluate players. Uh, everybody gives Nolan Smith, you know, A++ character boxes, uh, checks those boxes in from a character standpoint, from a work ethic standpoint, all those various things. Nolan Smith is going to be a coach one day. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a head coach, a D coordinator or whatever, but I'm pretty sure I'll be telling my grandkids or, or whatever, uh, you know, 35 years from now. And I remember when the Falcons took Nolan Smith in the first round, he was, you know, he was a young pup and whippersnapper. And now he's the best DC or head coach or whatever uh, in the game. So that is the future for Nolan Smith off the field, but on the field, I think he can provide some value, but I sort of see him as a single that has the potential, you know, to be a triple, but I, I don't think that potential is, is particularly high. Um, you know, Skaronsky to me is an absolute double that has the potential to be a triple and, and very likely to be a triple. Jalen Carter, of course, has that potential to be a home run pick for the Falcons, but obviously has the baggage that comes with that. And the, part of the reason why I don't expect the Falcons to take Jalen Carter is, you know, there's potential civil lawsuit coming from, you know, that incident in January, that car accident that cost the lives of, Devin Willick, his teammate at Georgia, and Chandler Lecrae, a, a Georgia staffer, 
Um, and I just can't imagine a world where Arthur Smith will invite the the idea that he has to go into a press conference and answer a question about Jalen Carter missing practice because he's in, he's got a court date or something like that. Arthur, I know Arthur Smith has has no desire to want to do that, and so for that reason, you know, I, I would be surprised at the Falcons, pleasantly surprised if they pull the trigger on a Jalen Carter at that eighth overall spot. And so I do kind of expect the team to take Nolan Smith. It'll be kind of karma from last year where I, I wanted the team to kind of reach on a pass rusher at eight with Jermaine Johnson. And they didn't do that. And now it's like, okay, well now they're going to kind of do that with Nolan Smith in my humble opinion. But I did do some research research over the weekend uh, and I've come around a little bit on Nolan Smith um, because it was a player a couple of years ago that I wanted the Falcons to draft uh, that I thought would be a you know, similar player to Nolan Smith. I thought the Falcons should take in the first round. He's coming off a breakout 2022 season. And I think if Nolan Smith follows a similar career path, I can better get behind this selection for him at eight if he turns into this player. And that player I'm referring to is Josh Uche. And we'll break down the parallels between Nolan Smith and Uche, the current New England Patriot, as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. But I want to tell you guys that today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And you've heard me talk about uh, how therapy has really benefited me over the last several months. And that's thanks to BetterHelp. Therapy has helped me understand things like I can only control the things I can control. And I don't control whether or not the Falcons draft a good player or they draft a player I like or even win a football game on some Sunday this fall or winter. But the thing I can control is the quality of the podcast. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from you guys over the last year that, uh, you know, the podcast has improved and you can owe that somewhat to uh, better help. And therapy is about deepening your self-awareness and understanding about yourself and better help. It's going to help you connect with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery wherever you are. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist within 48 hours. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com slash locked on today and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. So guys, as we continue today's Locked On Falcons, I do want to let you guys know that the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special is already here. Uh, and if you missed it last weekend, you can go check it out on Locked On NFL draft on youtube as well as locked on nfl uh giving you you know all 32 teams first picks in a six episode ultimate mock draft experience that only locked on can deliver so go check it out on youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts so i've talked before about not necessarily being high on the type of pass rusher that nolan smith is that is that undersized 240 pound guy guy that brings a lot of speed a lot of bend explosiveness but i do think the problem he's going to face in the nfl is that playing against the bigger offensive tackles that he'll see you know most sundays is that once those guys get their hands on him uh he's going to have a lot of trouble and we saw this issue be an issue with vic beasley i don't think it will be as much an issue with nolan smith as it was with Vic Beasley, because I don't have the same questions about Nolan Smith's core strength like they had with Vic Beasley when he was coming out of Clemson oh so many years ago. But I still think it's going to be an issue. And for those reasons, I tend to not value undersized edge rushers as much as maybe some other people do. Uh, and in the process of this weekend, I was doing some research looking at sub 250 pound edge rushers that were taken in the top 100 over the last 10 years. 
because my perception was that the only successful guys that are built like Nolan Smith uh, currently in the league are, are guys like Hassan Reddick and Micah Parsons. And the thing that stands out about those two guys is they didn't really enter the NFL as pass rushers. They were entered the NFL as off-ball linebackers and then eventually were moved to, to be more of an edge rusher and pass rusher first uh, because they had, you know, obviously the skill set to be very successful there. And so my perception was that, you know, the two successful Nolan Smith type of players are kind of outliers for that reason because they weren't initially projected to be pass rushers but then turned into good pass rushers. And so the idea I had in doing this research was every team that has actually drafted a guy with the intention of that guy being a pass rusher has not has has not reached the level of success that they wanted. So that gave me a lot of pause with this. That point is certainly still debatable, and we'll probably spend a lot of time over the next six weeks talking about that possibility uh, if Nolan Smith winds up being the pick. But in the process of doing this research, I did come across two smaller edge rushers that I was a fan of in recent drafts, and that was Josh Uche and Nick Bonito. Josh Uche was a late second-round pick for the Patriots in 2020. Uche, uh, Bonito was a late second-round pick with the Broncos this past year. And Uche, in particular, was a player that back in the 2020 draft cycle, pre-draft cycle, when everybody was talking about, especially before free agency, talking about Kalevon Chason or AJ Epinesa for the Falcons at that pick 16, you know, it was Uche to me that was the guy that I actually liked a little bit more and thought was uh, was higher on than a player like Chason. Uh, and of course, that went away once the Falcons spent all that money on Dante Fowler and pretty much killed any hopes and dreams for the Falcons to use one of those premium picks on a pass rusher. Um, but what's notable about that offseason is that was the COVID offseason. So Uche didn't really work out. And while I don't know if Uche would have ran a 4-3-9 like Nolan Smith, I do think he probably would have ran in the 4-4s. And so we look at Nolan Smith as this one-of-one one athlete, and I don't know if he is. He's, he's maybe one of two because I think Uche could have given him a run for his money, but we didn't necessarily see that. And Uche in the NFL – dealt with injuries a lot in his first two years. This past year was his healthiest season and he broke out with an 11 and a half sack season, despite the fact that he didn't get a ton of playing time, right? He averaged about 20 snaps a game this past year, which is similar to the workload that Arnold Ebiketti got this past year. Yet he produced five times as many sacks as Arnold Ebiketti and two times as many pressures as Ebiketti. And that's not a shot at Ebiketti, just a testament to how much productive Josh Uche was uh, in, in a limited workload uh, this past season. It was one of the top producers in the NFL this past season as a pass rusher. And the reason I bring this up is because of the whole outlier thing, right? Basically, as I discussed, when you look at the 240-pound edges, there aren't a lot of guys that have had success over the last couple of decades. I've mentioned Hassan Reddick. I've mentioned Micah Parsons. And then other than that, it's like basically Robert Mathis, and that's about it. Right. And so finding another player like a Josh Uche, who seemingly, you know, took a big step and was ascending as one of the top pass rushers in the league last year, to me is important because it, it means there's a middle ground. And calling Uche a middle ground is probably not fair because he, in fact, had a higher pressure rate last year than both Parsons and Hassan Reddick did. And his win rate, according to Pro Football Focus, was the fourth highest in the NFL uh, this past year uh, behind guys like Miles Garrett and Joey Bosa. Uh, but it's important, in my opinion, to find more examples of these undersized edge rushers to finding success in the league in order for me to be more open to the idea that a player like Nolan Smith, who I typically don't necessarily love, you know, could be more successful than my initial biases indicate. And so I don't know if Nolan Smith is as good a prospect as I personally thought Uche was coming out when I thought he was a, a legit candidate to be a late first round pick. 
um, because I thought Uche was a more refined, polished pass rusher coming out of Michigan than what I think Nolan Smith is at this point in time. Now, maybe that opinion changes if and when I do a deep dive on Nolan Smith after he's the pick for the Falcons uh, after the draft. Uh, but it felt like Uche was able to win in multiple ways while Nolan Smith basically wins primarily by first step quickness, speed all, all around the edge and or effort. Right. And that's more reminiscent to me a little bit of Nick Bonito. So if I was putting them on a spectrum and Uche was at one end of the spectrum and Bonito was at the other end of the spectrum, I think Nolan Smith personally is probably somewhere in between those guys. And again, that's not typically a guy that I would value in the top 10. But of course, you know, there was a time where I did value that as a potential top 20, 25 ish pick. Um, and so for me, at least, I will lose less sleep if Nolan Smith is the pick, because I basically can go back to that mindset I was in in like February and March of 2020 of believing and hoping that, okay, Josh Uche is going to be the pick. And so now I can be like, okay, well, that dream didn't come to fruition. And now we can re-correct history, right? We can go back in time and get the guy I kind of wanted the team to get back in 2020. No complaints about AJ Terrell by any means. Trust me on that one. But like it's just kind of a revisionist history, right? And so if I look at Nolan Smith as a Josh Uche type, I can get more behind this pick, even if that may not be necessarily a selling point for many of you guys. Like, oh, you're comparing this guy to a late second round pick. That doesn't make me feel better about the top two pick. And like, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, just go watch some Josh Uche highlights and be like, okay, Nolan Smith might be able to do that. And then I think you'll get behind it. So we'll see. We'll see with Nolan Smith, if he can climb that hill. I think he does have a steeper hill to climb to be a top 10 caliber player at his respective position, like a, a Hassan Reddick, like a uh, um, uh, Micah Parsons, and arguably like a Josh Uche may solidify himself this year in a sort of a contract year. So we'll see if he has that expanded role this year uh, with the Patriots and if his production dips or con continues to play at a high level, you know, does he get a second contract on the Patriots? Does he get a second contract elsewhere? That'll be something to keep an eye on this season. But I do think Smith has a steep hill to climb in order to project him as a, one of the top 10 edge rushers in the NFL. I don't think that hill is as steep to climb. If you're looking at players like Jalen Carter, him being one of the 10 best interior D linemen in the league or Peter Skaronsky being one of the 10 best uh, guards in the NFL, um, and that's why I feel much better about the Falcons pulling the trigger on those guys in round one than I would be with Nolan Smith. But at least again, like, okay, there's a path there if he follows the Josh Uche blueprint. So we'll see if Nolan Smith can do that. And we'll wrap up today's episode projecting the rest of the Falcons pick if and after Nolan Smith is their first round pick in this year's draft. And we'll get into all of that, guys, as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. So, guys, before we wrap up today's Locked On Falcons, I want to give a shout out to all my everydayers that make Locked On Falcons their first listen each and every day, whether you subscribe on YouTube or on your other everyday uh, you know, podcast platform. Really shout out to all the guys five days a week. And if you guys are not listening five days a week, you got to step your game up. And especially you want to listen all day this week because, you know, we're not taking any breaks, right? Once the weekend hits, we're, we're going, what, 13 days straight or whatever the math is. Uh, you know, 12 days straight, I guess it was, uh, you know, over the next couple of days. So no breaks. So everybody make sure you make Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. So if we're imagining a world where Nolan Smith is the first round pick, I think they got to get some size after uh, that point. And I think round two is a great opportunity to do so. And the player I think the Falcons will probably wind up taking at 44th overall pick is Keanu Benton, the D tackle from Wisconsin, 
Benton spent a lot of his career at Wisconsin playing nose tackles, but he also played some three technique. I think he has the flexibility to play five technique, even if he doesn't have necessarily experience to do so. It was very impressive working the one-on-ones at the senior bowl was consistently one of the more effective players in those one-on-one reps. And so I think you can pencil in Benton across the board for their D line. He could be a potential Eddie Goldman replacing as that one tech nose tackle. He could be a, a eventual Calais Campbell replacement as that five tech defensive end, as well as getting those opportunities on passing downs to spell guys like Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata as well. And so especially if the Falcons are probably with this Nolan Smith pick, you know, going to embrace more of a three, four look, up front uh, as their base package, you know, having a player like Keanu Benton who has that versatility to play all of those spots on the D-line to me makes a ton of sense. Now in round three, this to me is the sweet spot for the Falcons to to nab a receiver. Uh, And I think that player is going to be Rasheed Rice, a wide receiver out of Southern Methodist. Um, And I think, you know, there are players like Rice and Jonathan Mingo and Tyler Scott that I typically pencil in for the Falcons, who's going to be there at that 75th overall pick. I feel like Rice is probably the best bet out of those three guys that will probably still be on the board at 75. He's a bigger possession receiver that wins contested catch situations and he can block. So, you know, that's the Falcons MO at the wide receiver position. And even if I would much rather have players like Mingo and Scott that bring a little bit more juice to the position than Rice does, you know, the Falcons going to Falcon as (laughs) I said multiple times down on the podcast. So moving into round four, I think their pick is going to be, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, my projection is they'll probably go linebacker and DB here. The linebacker I have them going is Owen Popo, uh, the linebacker out of Auburn. And the, the DB, I think, is going to be Keytrail Clark, the cornerback out of Louisville. Popo is a explosive, hard-nosed linebacker. He's going to add depth at the linebacker position. He can play special teams, did that at college, will do so early, and, and will basically be penciled in as their top backup as that linebacker position long-term and maybe eventually develop into uh, a starter, you know, next to Troy Anderson or, or whatever, by the end of his rookie contract. I think that's kind of the goal for him. Uh, and Clark is an undersized guy, probably will play nickel, but does have experience playing on the outside at Louisville. Um, I think he's your long-term answer at that nickel cornerback position. Uh, allegedly the Falcons were b- very big fans of his at the Shrine Bowl. Um, so I think he can come in immediately push guys like Mike Hughes and D Alford for that nickel cornerback spot and give them an option there. And that could also allow Mike Hughes to move more to the outside where he can push someone like Jeff Okuda to replace Casey Hayward. And you could have Clark and Alford as your primary competitors at the nickel and Hughes and Okuda as your primary con- uh, competitors at the outside corner. And that's notable because Hughes historically is been a more effective outside corner in his career than he has been as a nickel corner. So that's why I think the Falcons may lean nickel in this draft with someone like Keetra Clark. Now the Falcons don't have another pick until round seven. And so I think this is an ideal scenario where the Falcons at some point in this draft, maybe in round two, maybe in round three, possibly in round one, certainly I would feel a lot better about the Falcons taking Nolan Smith in round one if they were able to trade back. And given the circumstances that I outlined earlier, where I do think that fourth quarterback will be available, does a team like Tennessee at 11 come up? Does a team like Houston at 12 want to come up? Or do we see a team like Washington uh, at 16 potentially come up? Doesn't seem likely, Uh, but we'll, we'll sort of have to see about that. And if the Falcons can move back, you know, pick up, you know, some day two picks and as well as some day three picks. I think that makes a ton of sense rather than having to wait around to not pick again until round seven. Um, So we'll see if the Falcons can get some, you know, 
extra fifth and sixth round picks uh, by maneuvering on draft day. But for round seven, with the two picks that the Falcons have, I have them selecting Chamari Connor, the safety out of Virginia Tech, and Trevor Reed, the offensive tackle out of Louisville. Connor's a versatile guy, can play single high, can play in the slot, can play in the box. Uh, was a special teams maven at Virginia Tech. You can sort of pencil him in immediately as your fourth safety. Presumably he'll take over as that third safety in their dime looks, in their big nickel looks, uh, you know, next year with Jalen Hawkins entering a contract year this year. So it makes a lot of sense to me with Shamari Collinor. I think, again, ideally the Falcons might get a, a safety earlier in the draft than this point, but you know, at some point they got to get a safety. So Connor, I think, has a chance to to fall to round seven. Although I think current projections are putting him in that fifth, sixth round range. So again, that's why it's I think it's important for the Falcons to get more ammunition in that range. And Reed is just a raw, athletic, you know, tackle that has experience in the outside zone scheme. More of a developmental piece, a long term swing tackle that maybe you know, if Dwayne Ledford can can work his his miracles, you know, two three years from now could be a legit. Uh, option for the Falcons to, you know, plug in as a starter, as a eventual heir apparent for Jake Matthews and or Caleb McGarry. Uh, that's kind of what Reed is, just a kind of developmental guy that you want to take a flyer on to see if you can, you know, get something out of him uh, in the future. So we'll see about that. Those are my projections for the Falcons. As a reminder, Nolan Smith, the outside linebacker from Georgia, Keanu Bitt in the D tackle for Wisconsin in round two, where she writes the wide receiver from SMU in round three. Round four is Owen Popo, the linebacker from Auburn, and Keetra Clark, the corner from Louisville. And the seventh-round picks are Chamari Conner, the safety from Virginia Tech, and Trevor Reed, the tackle from Louisville as well. So this is all part of me kind of ex- setting my expectations low, right? Like we've had such a good offseason here in Atlanta that it's like you got to come back down to earth at some point being a Falcon fan, right? You know, that is something that, you know, despite being in therapy and it's helped me you know, there still is a, a strong pessimism streak in me. Uh, I just sort of keep it tamped down, but you know, it's been, it's been too good of an off season and it's just like, okay, well, if, if you love the free agency, then you're going to be disappointed with the draft. Pick, right? <laughs> and if you hated free agency, then you're going to love the draft. Pick. That's, that's usually how it goes here in Atlanta. So that's kind of where I'm at, why I'm leaning towards Nolan Smith. I have to set my expectations low. And now I will love to be pleasantly surprised by the Falcons taking you know, a Jalen Carter or Peter Skaronsky or even one of the premier corners uh, in, in this draft at eight, that would make me feel a lot better than what I feel about Nolan Smith. But, you know, as I say, Falcons going to Falcons. So that's going to do it for us here, guys. We'll get more into the Casey Hayward's release tomorrow and take deeper look at what their plans are to potentially replace him via the draft. Uh, looking beyond corners like Keetra Clark, potentially some day two options for them. That will be maybe an opportunity to have Savion Mixon back on the show to talk about some of the safeties that could provide that sort of dime big nickel flexibility. We'll get into that. And you'll probably note that I did not project the Falcons to take a running back. That may be also a topic that we get into later this week with some guests as well in the lead up to the draft. But we only got a couple more days, guys. We're just kind of waiting and seeing. Uh, all the buzz seems to be pointing in, in Nolan Smith's direction. To me, logically, Peter Skaronsky makes a, way more sense, but there's absolutely, absolutely no buzz for Skaronsky at this point in time. So we'll see how it all plays out. And uh, th- there you guys have it. I've, I've given you all the picks that the Falcons will actually make. Um, I wish it was, you know, I, you know, if this winds up being, you know, I, I go seven for seven, you know, then I, I want all of you guys to worship me, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm losing it at the end of the show. So that's it, guys. Um, 
really appreciate you tuning in for another episode. Make sure you check out the Locked On uh, Ultimate Mock Draft. Make sure you check out Locked On NFL Draft, Locked On NFL Scouting with Kyle Crafts, Joe Marino as well. A guy, I'll give you an update later this week on what exactly our plans are for the content that we're going to have pre and post draft as well uh, later this week as well. So guys, make sure you stay tuned, continue to make us your first listen. Uh, shout out to all my everydayers and continue to make the locked on podcast network, your team every day, your first and second and last listens each and every.